our special speaker this morning. And I am really pleased to introduce to you Pastor Ronald J.S. Seelan. Am I pronouncing it or am I mangling it every time I say it? J.S. Seelan. Met Ronald years ago before I knew Ronald. When we first built this auditorium, we had pews. And we bought our pews from Valley City, what was the last? Valley City Manufacturing. They produced pews. They did medical equipment and office equipment, shipped it all over the world. And that was Ronald's company. I didn't know it at the time. We just bought our pews there. And years later, I came to know Ronald, introduced, and found that he was a Christian. And he was just a businessman and going about his business, but he had a heart for God. And he was from Sri Lanka. And he, there was a lot of people in the area from Sri Lanka. And he just gathered them together. And on long weekends, he would do, just do retreats and uh, have everybody come. And they, they came from different uh, religions, mostly Christian, but that wasn't limited. You could come. I remember that was how I first met Ronald. He invited me to come and speak at one of these retreats. There was Muslim people there, Hindu people there, Christian people there. And he just wanted me to come and share. And we just stayed for the weekend. It was a long weekend and and they would go. And that's how it was. And then it came to a point where I remember Ronald shared with me about his desire to start a church. And kind of church started out of this. And and it did. And uh, he started Seekers Christian Fellowship. And uh, asked me if I would be one of the founding pastors with him. And not that I would take any uh, governmental role, but just being there and being an influence because he, he wanted someone to come. And in many ways, he tailored the church after ours and uh, said to me many times, I, I think, I believe we're a daughter church of yours. And, uh, and so for years, I went down once a month, spoke there. And I tell you, this church is, is a great church, great blessing. And uh, I'm going to stop because I want Pastor Ronald to be able to share uh, what God has on his heart this morning. Would you welcome him warmly as he comes and ministers the word of God? A very good morning to everybody. I just want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I must say that it's an honor to be here today. It's really an honor to be here today. And what a joyful occasion it is for KWCF, celebrating the faithfulness of the Lord. Everybody say faithfulness. It's faithfulness of the Lord. That's what you're celebrating uh, over the past 49 years. Now, I have known Pastor Ken for more than 25 years, I must tell you. But I'm indebted to him and to Sister Kay for the investment he made. Not only in me, but in my family, in my children's life. He has been the counselor for my son when he got married. And he was there for my son's wedding. And and we have a long thing to share together. and, And he has invested in my spiritual journey and also in the life of the church. What I learned from him, I'm not here to elevate him. What I learned from him by, the, by his testimony is that we who are called as pastors, we must be faithful. We must be diligent. And we must serve with endurance. That's what I learned from him. And the result of that, knowing that one day the Lord of glory will reward us for our labors and the church, that's what you're celebrating today. What the Lord 
has done. So I'm indeed honored to share God's word this morning. And uh, as I prayed about the message, the Lord took me to the book of Psalms. And there are two Psalms, two verses that really touch me deeply. The first one, and let me on the screen as you go. Psalm 126 verse 5. Those who sow, can we read that together? Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That represents what's happening today, isn't it? Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And also, the Lord also reminded me that it is His work. It is not our work. And we can see that the psalmist in Psalm 115, 1, he says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So we give all, give all the glory, honor, and praise to God. He has used Pastor Ken and his dear wife to minister in this area for 49 years. But the glory should be given to God. So that is why I've given the title, The Faithfulness of God. So we just want to take a few minutes to reflect on this. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Psalm 126, please. Psalm 126. Now, beginning with Psalm 120 and continuing to Psalm 134, it's called the Songs of Ascents or the Pilgrim Songs. Now, they were sung by the pilgrims who were traveling to Jerusalem to keep the various feast festival days. Especially Psalm 126 was a very special psalm to the children of Israel because it reminded them of the Lord's past works in the life of their, of their nation, and also his promise to carry on that work into the future. So it is a special psalm for us too today, on this special occasion, for it speaks to us and reminds us of what the Lord has done for this congregation, in the life of this church, for the past 49 years, in saving people, redeeming them, and restoring them as children of God. And also it will remind us that God has a plan for this church, for a future, to bless his children, to use you, every one of you, for his glory, for many more years to come. So there are some powerful lessons that we can take from this psalm, and we can all learn from these verses. This can certainly apply to ourselves so that the good work that the Lord has started 49 years ago, he'll see to his completion on the day of Christ. So simply put, there are, in these six verses we are going to look at this morning, there are three things that we will see that the children of Israel did. And my appeal to all of us is that we would do the same thing as we celebrate 49 years of God's faithfulness. Three things, simple things. Number one, we see there's a prayer. Number two, we see there's a praise. Number three, we see there's a promise. So with that, let's look at verse number one. There's a word of praise here, verse number one, as it appears on the screen. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Those who dream. What they see, what, what we see here is they speak of their deliverance. The children, after being in bondage for 70 years, they begin by remembering the great grace of God. They remembered how they had been oppressed and held captive by the enemies and how God in his great power had delivered them. 
they couldn't believe what had happened to them they were amazed at the grace the love and the power of their god they felt like people who were living in a dream you know as a pastor who has uh, invested in the lives of my church people of course with the guidance and help of pastor ken miles i must say that even for all of us looking at 49 years yes you made it through struggles but it is a dream it's just like the children of israel it's a dream not only that as you look at verses 2 and 3 let's read that then our mouth was filled with laughter look at the emotions and our tongue with singing then they said among the nations the lord has done great things for them the lord has done great things for us and we are glad so what we see they speak not only of their deliverance but of their delight here how happy they were they couldn't keep quiet but they were so excited about what the lord has done for the first time in 70 years they had something to bring keenest pleasure to them they were going home to their new home as the excitement moved into higher gear they laughed and they sang that's what you see in this passage listen church there is a testimony is a testimony to the non jewish people because they acknowledge that the god of hebrews has intervened in them in miraculous ways above all other nations israel appears to be the special object of jehovah's love and care rightfully the israelites attributed their deliverance to yahweh and yahweh alone so when they came and asked you how did you do that they said what it's him it's him alone so if we ask you today how did you make it for 49 years you're going to say it's him and him alone praise god for that isn't it that's the god that we serve they were delivered from bondage the children of israel now here is what we need to know church they could never come out on their own there is no way there's a great life application for us today think about it who you were when the lord found you paul writes in ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 our condition the next slide please our condition it says we were dead in trans i, I think you have to yeah keep going please the next one okay uh, it was a 1 to 3 paul describes our state your state my state before we came to know the lord we were dead in trespasses and sins we conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind we were children of wrath as pious and holy we may be looking today this is who we were when god found us and then all of a sudden we were dead and depraved and doomed and sudden and triumphant look at verse 4 but god can everybody say but god but god but god the bible says who is rich in mercy that phrase appears there isn't it you are dead you are depraved you are doomed you are gone you are good for nothing but god in his mercy 
Church, we, we are to remember God's sovereign and sudden rescue beginning with our con- conversion. So how did he deliver us? In our, from our lost and hell-bound condition, we find in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. The next slide, please. For by grace you have been saved. Yes. So, how did God save us? By his grace. grace. Not because you are good. Not because of the great works you have done. By his grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. So God did a work that seemed too good to be true. He took our lives from a nightmare to a dream. That's what you're seeing here. Church, it deserves our praise from setting us free and changing our lives and altering our destinies. We have been delivered from death and hell and by the grace of God and God alone. You know, the beauty is that our names are written down in glory. We can face any challenges in this life knowing where we are heading. Isn't it? We are joyful people, redeemed and delivered. So all the more reason, church, that praise must be seen in our lives. In our lives. But I just want to picture yourself here. You are redeemed. God has rescued you. He has given given the gift of salvation to you. What would you do? Or even if you were, position yourself as one among the Israelites who were delivered from the bondage. You come out of Babylon. You know what the first thing you do? You look around. Oh, my mom is here. My dad is here. My brother is here. My sister is here. My dog is here. I am okay. I am fine. We are delivered. Our we is who? I, me and myself. Right? Because I'm okay. Yes, we made it for 49 years. And you might say, I belong to a great church. It is a great church. And you might say, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad my family is saved. I'm glad that I'm growing in the church. What do you see in the statements? It's all about I, me, and myself. But what did the children of Israel do? Look at verse number four. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. So there's not only a praise, as I said, there's a prayer now. Can you see the prayer now? Bring, yes? yes? Bring back our captivity. So as the pilgrims ponder their past and as they celebrate their deliverance, they also lift their voices up in prayers and asking God, Bring back our loved ones. Restore them. Bring back God. That's what they're saying there. Church, I want you to notice here, they have a burden. A burden for what? To see others delivered. Others delivered. They want other captives, every one of them, every captive to enjoy the deliverance that they have experienced. But interestingly, I want you to follow along very carefully. Keep that verse on the screen, please. Verse number four. They say to the Lord, bring back our captivity, O Lord. And what's the next one? As the streams in the south. There's a reason why we scriptures have these phrases. We have to be very careful as we study this. 
in the esv you will see there is a like stream in the negev what does that mean why is that phrase injected there you know church it refers to a particular desert region the negev for most of the year it was a dry and desolate place but when the rains came and filled its stream beds the negev would soon be blanketed with flowers and other natural growth but no church who causes the rain to come who can you do it can i do it no it's god it's god it's god and god alone can make the stream to flow it's beyond human ability to impact for man plays no part in the streams in the negev it is only by the sovereign will of god not the work of man so what do we take from this church they knew that they could not deliver their the captivity for it is the work of the lord we cannot save anybody we want to see all our family members every tom dick and harry around the village to be saved but we cannot save anyone we are not carrying salvation in our pockets to distribute as flyers we can't do that but one thing we can do what cry out to the lord yes. that's what you see is happening here because only his sovereign will that will take place so that should that is the prayer that we are looking at here church So here's the question I have for you. How burdened are you about your loved ones who are lost? You be true to yourself. How much are you burdened? Are you burdened about I don't have a big house to live. I don't have the BMWs or the or, or the Benz cars to drive around. Or is your burden is oh my sister is not saved. how about your burden for jerusalem your jerusalem in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth and i want to pause here and tell you church i am very i'm deeply touched because i know this church has a missional heart because i know that you have been so gracious in the past to support the missions work in sri lanka i know that you helped the victims of the easter bomb blast you gave a substantial amount of money to support them you supported your pastor to come and along with me to minister to the churches in uh, to the leaders in sri lanka and i know you are familiar with this book do you yes and i want to tell you you know sometimes you don't understand the significance of these things this book was translated in two languages in sri lanka and we printed thousand copies of those and these have been used by many pastors in both the tamil and the sinhalese community as the study book for their group studies is that wonderful yes. can we give thanks to the lord for what they have done through pastor ken <laughs> so church you are playing a role in taking the gospel to the nook and corner of a pagan nation i want you to know that but we need to pray that god would create that burden within our heart that drives us drives us to the lord for the lost and drives us to the lost for the lord both you get it yes we should be like john knox who says who, who cried out and said so burdened for scotland he prayed give me scotland or i die and there was this george whitfield 
and who was so burned for the lost, he cried, give me the souls or take my soul. Oh, we see Apostle Paul, the next verse please. He says, see what Apostle Paul is saying. For I could wish that I myself were crushed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. That's how burdened he was. So we looked at the praise and the prayer and we come to the last part of it now. Verses 5 to 6. Let's read that. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So we are looking at the second image in this psalm. The first image that we looked at church was the streams in Negev, and I explained that to you. That's a sovereign work of God, isn't it? Now he's talking about sowing in tears. So the first image is all of God. There is nothing that you can do. But the second image that you're looking at here is God working through our efforts. Working and waiting. We are called to sow in tears. It is our doing, your doing, my doing. They both are examples of God working but in different ways. So let us understand the text here. So when the people returned to their homeland, they found the fields were uncultivated and there was no harvest and little food to eat. So they had some grains with them, but they had only these few precious seeds that held the promise of a future harvest. So they take these few seeds with tears, they sow those seeds into the ground. With faith and patience, they waited that in a few weeks there is life in the fields. Imagine you have just a few, few precious seeds, your family is to feed, but you sow in tears, hoping and praying that there will be a bigger harvest. But when the harvest time came, those few seeds have been transformed into great harvest and the workers returned from the fields in this this time with great rejoicing carrying their sheaves in their arms. The principle also applies in the spiritual realm church. After we have been delivered from our sins and saved by God's grace, we should be moved by a burden, right? To see others saved. We are to take the gospel message, which is the seed, the word of God. We are to go into the lost world and sow it for the glory of God, trusting him that he would take the few seeds and he will produce the harvest. Because you and I can't do it. There are three simple observations you can make in this last verse. Number one, there's a task of the sower. You are the sower. Every one of you seated here. No matter whether you are young or old, you are the soul. I am the soul. The, the Bible says, look at the verse again, the, the sower goes forth and sow the seed. It's a present tense, it's not a past tense. It's a present tense. When Jesus gave the great commission and he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, the word go has the idea of as you go. As you go. In other words, yes, your testimony is not something you should be able to turn on and turn off. Because many people are pushed off. They don't come to Christ, not because of the gospel, because of your poor testimony. 
I was told, I don't know how far this is true, you would have heard about Gandhi, the great uh, uh, leader of, in India, and he was well respected around the globe. He went to a church and he, he I mean, I don't know how, far, how much is true, so please don't hold me to this. But he, he did not accept Christ apparently because of some Christians' behaviors. You cannot turn on and turn, turn off your testimonies. The Bible says then bearing seeds, meaning where everywhere you go, you must be dropping gospel seeds. All over, everywhere, wherever you go. Then people will hear and they will be saved. And let me ask you, church, are you sowing as you go? When you meet non-believers, do you talk about the, the food you eat or the holidays that you have gone or the houses you have or children you have? Or you do you speak about the gospel? I don't know the answer. That's what we have been called to do. The task of the sower. And then we see in the same six, verse 6, there's the tears of the sower. Look at that. He says, he's shedding tears. He's weeping as he sowed. Why does he weep? Because he knows that everything depends on the next crop. Everything. So he has a burden for the harvest. He wants to see the seed multiplied so that his people might live. How about you and me? How much burden do you have? We see the Lord Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And he stood outside in Luke 19, 41. We see, now as he drew near, he saw the city and what did he do? Wept. Everybody say wept. Jesus wept for the city of Jerusalem. When was the last time that you wept for Kitchener-Waterloo? Jeremiah had a burden. And he says, oh, that my head... I love the way Jeremiah talked. Weeping prophet. Not a single soul was saved. Imagine, you would have given up. He didn't for 40 years. Held on. He was faithful. He's, this is what he says. Jeremiah 9.1 Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears. Oh my goodness, I don't want to go close to him. If you really know the end of man, your brother or sister or your family member, you know that when they die, they are going to end up in hell. If you really understand the gravity of this truth, how burdened you will be, church, to reach out if you love somebody. You must have the real burden for, for salvation for the others. Now there was a Salvation Army was holding a convocation and morale was low at all times. The organization had hit rock bottom and they didn't know what to do. So send a telegram to the founder, William Booth. What do we do now? And they're asking for advice and, and William Booth sent back a telegram. This is a true story. With two words. Any guess? Try Tears. Wow. Powerful, isn't it? Try tears. So when they did the revival, came to the Salvation Army Church, we can talk about revival. We can preach about revival. We can pray for revival. But revival comes, never comes until desperation comes. The sign of desperation will be the tears of our eyes. Tears. And the brokenness of our heart. God, I want it. If Pastor, do I have time? Sorry. No, I, you know, I want to another time. I can go on for hours, trust me, so you have to stop me. 
I must tell you one thing. My my mother grew up in a very good, strong Christian. She's a prayer warrior. And we grew up in a very good Christian home. I thank God for my mom. But she never obeyed in the waters of baptism. But I was praying earnestly because I know that my mom is a good Christian but I wasn't too sure why is she resisting obeying in the waters of baptism. So I'm, it happened in Canada, trust me or not. I was on my knees, I was crying out, God, this is the only thing I need. Before you take her home, I want her to obey in the waters of baptism. I didn't tell my mom to do it. She went for a conference in Toronto. We were driving back at 12.30 in the morning. And my mom turned back to me and she said, Son, I'm convicted. I need to obey in the waters of baptism. The tears, the burden, God hears. Why do I say God hears? Because we are asking for the glory of his name. I'm not asking for riches. Till the tears come. If it's too burdensome, it'll cause you to do something, isn't it? So, we looked at the task of the sower, the tears of the sower, and the last one we see is the triumph of the sower. Look at the last part of the, of the verse number six. The next slide, please. Yes. And shall doubtless, when you go, verse number six, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed of, for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. That's the promise God has given. The sower went to the field, he worked and he sowed and he returns with rejoicing, bearing in his arms the fruits of his labor. He has a great harvest to show. His time and his tears have paid off. Church, if we will go and sow, God will give the increase. You know, Apostle Paul said it so beautifully. My job, this I am paraphrasing, don't look for this in the Bible, okay? Now, he was saying that it's not my job to convert people. Apollos, it's not your job to convert people. My job, he says, is to plant. Your job is to water. And forget about the rest. Who does the growth? God. Everybody say God. God. God did, did the increase. He makes it grow. This is the promise he has given. The battle is his. That's why we can give the victory to him. We don't take any credit for that. You won't see anyone, everyone you witness to be saved, obviously. But imagine this church on the day when you are taken home and we are all in the new Jerusalem. If you look at somebody, whoever that may be, and if you have played some part in his life for his salvation, what a joy that would be, isn't it? I didn't convert him, but I directed him to Christ. Yes. Picture that. So as I close this message, I want to encourage you to do a few things today. As you celebrate the faithfulness of God in the life of KWCF. Firstly, let us give praises to God for his faithfulness over the past 49 years. Remember where the Lord found you. And what he did for you when he saved you. You can speak of the deliverance. You can speak of the delight like the children of Israel. You give all glory, honor, and praise to him and him alone. Secondly, let us bring our prayers to God. Let's seek the Lord for the kind of burden you need for the souls of the lost. 
Church, make a decision today. Think about that person, one person at a time. I am going to pray with tears for this person in your life. It could be a sister, it could be a brother, it could be a mother or father, your son or daughter. Tears. We had to sow first within our own family, then in Jerusalem and Judea and then Samaria. So my question is, will you keep? Will you commit to taking up the precious seed of the gospel? And will you sow it? I know you cannot go to the ends of the earth. But by partnering with people who are going, I am sure you will be able to reach into that. Finally, let's remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. When you sow in tears, you will reap with songs of joy. With songs of joy. You know, I'm reminded of David. I'll close with this statement. When he encountered Goliath and it looked like a very bleak and, and, and quite an uncertain situation and Saul is worried. Everybody is worried and anxious. What did David do? He's a little brat and I don't think how, how, how old he was. He was a young fellow. Was he afraid of Goliath? No. What did he say? The Lord who redeemed me from the paws of the lion and the paws of the bear will redeem me from the hands of the Philistine. Why? It's the God who redeems us. So I pray, church, that will be your cry as well. Until the Lord calls us home or till he returns, let us sow in tear. All glory, honor and praise belong to him and him alone. God bless you. God be with you.